0: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org. Let's get into the Word of God. Who doesn't love clothes, hey? I know some of you men actually like clothes too. Don't pretend you don't. Um, there used to be, I think it was Rundle's in Newcastle, used to say, "Clothes makes the man." I still think that's pretty true, and clothes are pretty good for us women too. Who doesn't love chucking clothes out? Is it? What ah. a shame! What a shame! Turn me off. Okay, that's all right. I can do this. I'm a woman. I can multitask. Um, clothes, clothes are there to um, protect us when it's cold and it's hot and they obviously clothe our naked bodies but they also should look good on us don't you think and I love clothes I don't like spending a lot of money on clothes so those of you that know me know I'm the bit of the op shop queen and um, just a few months ago us Baylife girls had a clothes swap didn't we we cleaned out of wardrobes brought them along and some of these might even be yours because I bought them And I often think people must chuckle in this church when I get up here (laughs) on a Sunday and think, oh, that's my top, they're my pants. Hey, I'm not proud, I don't care. I love clothes and I don't think you should have to spend a fortune on clothes. But you want to look good in your clothes, if best you can. Ill-fitting clothes don't always look that good, do they? What if I was to say to you, how about I find you some clothes that will never wear out, that will look good in every season, that will fit you all and don't cost anything. You would say to me, where can I get it? Quick, I'd go online and I'd buy them tomorrow. Well, guess what? The Word of God tells us where we can get a wardrobe to wear. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So Colossians chapter three, I've got a massive piece of scripture because I didn't want to cut and paste basically this whole passage of scripture and it's out of the message version which I really like so I put the whole lot up there but we're going to actually concentrate on the last bit but let me pray Father God thank you so much for your word thank you that it brings life and it is truth and it shows us the way and I thank you that you've always got amazing wisdom in the pages of of your word, Lord. And as we just explore this passage today, I pray that every heart would be open, Lord, to hear what you would want to say to us today, Holy Spirit. And I pray that in your mighty name. Amen. So are you ready? If you've got a Bible, turn with us to Colossians 3. But this is the message version. And I love the title. It's called He's Your Life. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on earth, you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But now you know better. So now it's all gone for good. Bad temper irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom-made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish, non-Jewish, religious, irreligious, Insider, outsider, uncivilised and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ, everyone included in Christ. And here we come to the passage we're going to talk about. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe that God has picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other, none of this going off and doing your own thing, and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense, and sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. It's a great piece of scripture, isn't it? I love it, and I love the way the message puts it. And Paul's talking about putting on and off clothes. Now, we put on our clothes and we take them off every single day. So this, what, this passage, what he's talking about, is something that's not just a once-off. It's a daily thing that we have to learn to do and they're the characters and that reflect jesus all those different things we're going to talk about he counsels us to put off the old man which is the sinful way of life and put on our new way of life There's another passage of Scripture in Ephesians 6 that Paul talks about, and you all know about this one, the armour of God. It's another outfit he tells us to put on. But that's a battle outfit. That's the helmet of salvation, the the sword, the shield, and we all need that. But that's when we go into battle. But this one, the clothing he's talking about today, is about living a peaceful existence with other Christians and with other people. Where to clothe ourselves in the new life in Christ. The garments worn by the person who has been changed by Jesus. Now, many of us might find it difficult to do all these things, but I think we're missing the one thing that Paul talks about early in this scripture. To put these clothes on we're going to talk about today, we've actually got to take off the old man. We'd be silly, wouldn't we, if we went out of the morning and we put our clothes on over our jammies. And then we went out somewhere later on, we put another layer on. So we'd be walking around with all these clothes on. So why do we hang on to the old man? Why do we hang on to that old stuff that we were before we knew Christ? We've got to get rid of that, throw it off, and put on the new clothes. And we're going to do it daily. Okay, so let's have a look at the first item he talks about here. We're going to look at verses 12 to 14. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility quite strength discipline even tempered content with second place quick to forgive an offense and completely forgive we're going to look at compassion this we, we call compassion a heart of pity i think it's a sense of sympathy or empathy with another person almost putting yourself into someone else's shoes so the first thing we need to be doing daily with god is thinking about somebody else Have compassion for the people that you might be very quick to judge sometimes. Sometimes I think we can maybe look at someone and we go, oh, you know, what's going on here? And we make our little judgments. We often have our own little story going on. Let's not be quick to do that. Let's have compassion. Let God move our heart for those people. What about someone that's disabled, whether it be a mental disability or a physical disability? Compassion for those people and how difficult life can be sometimes we can just go through life blind totally unaware of people around us what about someone you might work with that constantly talks or whinges and whines you need to have compassion for that person because you just don't know what is going on in their life we need to have a heart so men some compassion needed from you when you wake up first thing in the morning you're out to breakfast and there's your lovely wife looking very odd hair all over the place old slippers on and a beautiful old dressing gown. And I do love my dressing gown in the winter. Hands up all who love our dressing gowns, girls. Yes. So men, have a little compassion for us early in the morning. And girls, we need to have a little bit of compassion too for our men folk When they come out of the morning, haven't shaved, haven't brushed their teeth, haven't had their early morning coffee. So it could be a little bit gruff. So we need to ask God for compassion them. And parents... You need compassion for your kids, don't you, each and every day when they ask for the fifth time this week. I can't find my school shoes or my school bag. ah, oh, All you want to do is scream, but we're going to have compassion. We're going to be clothed in compassion. So let's have a heart for people and approach life with compassion. It goes on to the next step, and it says, Kindness is action that reveals compassion and arises out of a sense of sympathy. So, compassion is when our heart is moved towards someone. Kindness is then what we do from that. Kindness can take many different forms. It can be a smile to somebody. It can be a kind word. It can be an encouragement, a pat on the shoulder or a lovely hug or an invitation to lunch or a coffee with someone or an offer to help. We're to put on compassion and kindness not just at the beginning of the day, but all through the day as well. So I was thinking, here we go to the props, okay. I know you've been wondering what on earth these are all about. I thought, what's an item of clothing I could talk about that would remind us to be compassionate and kind? So I thought of gloves. Now, because I'm not hands-free, it's going to be a bit messy, okay, but that's okay. I thought of a glove. I thought of a nice soft glove. Almost velvet. I thought if we remember to wear a beautiful soft glove every day and all our dealings with people will be kind because velvet gloves are lovely and soft to touch, aren't they? And so be thinking of that. So when you're thinking kindness, think of a lovely soft glove that you're always touching people with a lovely softness. And another one I thought of we should probably wear regularly is a rubber glove. Oh darn, it's the other hand. Okay, that's all right. I can do this. Rubber gloves. What do rubber gloves signify? Oh, washing up, don't they, girls? But they signify helping and work. Sometimes you've just got to be kind. You just need to get in there with somebody and help them whatever they need in life. If it is cleaning up their house or helping clean up their life a little bit, that's what the rubber glove, I think, can remind us of. So, two gloves to think of, softness and kindness helping someone. But then I got thinking, wow. Wow. I could think of more gloves, all these, my brain just works in strange ways. I kept thinking of all these different gloves because I'm thinking the opposite to kindness and compassion would be meanness of spirit and ignoring the needs of others. So I thought, okay, what's some more gloves I could think of that would signify that? And these ones we're going to chuck out of your wardrobe, okay? So have you got any of these at home? I know you've all got boxing gloves at home. I know you have. They're going to go in the trash bag, okay? Because a boxing glove, thank you, Karina, for this boxing glove. I reckon some of us actually wake up every day with one of these on our hand. Feisty. Feisty and ready for an argument, okay? It's like everything you say is like boom, boom, boom. Everything's just this whack back there. I don't think that is being kind or compassionate if you've got one of those in your wardrobe, They bring pain. If you hit someone really hard with one of these, they really hurt Um, and words can hurt and our actions can hurt others. So if you've got one of those, ditch it, okay? Another one. Exfoliating glove. I was thinking about this one. Now, boys, do you know what this is for? (laughs) This is a little test. Chris, do you know what it's for? Oh, you probably do. Greg, do you know what it's for? I didn't mean that. I didn't mean I just thought because you were young, you might do you know what this is for? It's foliating. foliating. Good. That's a bit of a clue, wasn't it? I don't know, men might wear them, but mostly girls I think tend to have them in the shower and they are for Do you oh roughing up your skin and brushing off old skin, stuff like that makes you look really nice and shiny and keeps your skin healthy. But if you've got one of these and you put them on first thing in the morning and your dealings with people are going to be rough and abrasive with people and you can rub people the wrong way if you're very rough and abrasive. So, that is not being compassionate and kind either. So, you've got to ditch that one. Okay, gone. Another one. I was having fun with these. Don't worry, I haven't got too many. Disposable glove. Hmm, I have not think what she's going to say about this one. I thought about a disposable glove and I thought, they're only meant to be used once. Compassion and kindness is not just a once-off thing. It is something that you have to sometimes get in the trenches with people and hang in there for a long time. Their lives can be messy, but when you're compassionate and kind like Jesus is, um, that's who he wants us to be. And it's not just a once-off. So there's no point having a glove that's just once-off because guess what? It takes a while sometimes with people. And the very last one is this big old dirty protective glove. It is very dirty too. I don't know what Greg's been doing, but it's very messy. It's a yard. Tend to put it in the yard. <laughs> it's the wrong hand. I know it's the wrong hand, but I don't want to keep changing the microphone. You wear this if you're working outside or you're doing something in the yard and you don't want to you protect your hands. And it's perfect for protecting your hands. But if you go through life, Putting this on every day, guess what? You never let anybody close. You keep your heart protected, walled up, and compassion and kindness will not flow out of your heart because you're protecting it too much with all this cushioning. That's what it's for. So great for working out in the yard, but not for living life with God. So did you like those gloves? I thought they were very good. But the two we need to remember is the soft touch. And the rubber glove, because we're going to be helping people through life. Okay, there we go. This is a little story I found. Many centuries ago, a certain young man from a rural town went to live in a large city and fell in with the wrong crowd. He lived a wild and dissolute life, becoming involved in many hurtful things, which almost destroyed him. But he heard a preacher one day, and though he did not particularly appreciate his preaching, he was struck by the man He went to hear him again, and soon that preacher was able to lead him to Christ. The young man has become famous as the great St. Augustine. This is what Augustine wrote of Ambrose, the pastor of the cathedral in Milan. I began to love him, not at first as a teacher of the truth, which I despaired of finding in the church, but as a fellow creature who was kind to me. What an open-door kindness can be. And I think um, a saying John Maxwell always used to say is people don't really care how much you know. They know how much, they just want to know how much you care for people. So let's move on to the third quality in this passage of Scripture is humility. And I think this is the chief Christian virtue is humility because it's the exact opposite of pride. We are to put on humility to think humbly of ourselves Paul puts it like this, we're to regard others as better than ourselves. We are not in any way to consider ourselves superior or others. When we're prideful or self-centered, it'll just trip you up in life. And we're reminded in Proverbs sixteen eighteen it says this, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And earlier in this passage, Paul speaks of, when he talked about there's now no Jew and non-Jew, he talks about unity and oneness in Christ. No divisions based on race, culture, wealth, or your home address. We are one. We should never, ever think of ourselves as superior to anybody else. So we need to do that. So I thought, what wardrobe item could I think of for this? And I was thinking of an apron. Here we go. What does an apron signify? There we go. There we go. Service. And that's how I think we should be with people. We should be really willing to serve people, to humble ourselves and just work with people. And Jesus is our very best example of this, where he stooped down, And he washed the feet of his disciples. And he showed us that's the way you treat people. Not in a high and mighty manner, but to stoop down as a servant and serve people. So if we can do that as Christians, I know Jesus would be smiling and proud of us. Because that's what he's been trying to teach us all through the Bible. And then the very last thing. Oh, sorry, where am I up to? Over here, not the last thing. Meekness is quiet strength under control. Do you know what? It takes greater strength to exhibit meekness than it does to burst forth with anger and lose control. It's easy to do that, really easy to fly off the handle, but to be meek and keep that strength under control, it takes a lot of discipline. And that's what Paul is um, exhorting us to do in this. Sometimes we just have to set aside your rights. You don't always have to be right and have your voice Heard. Meekness is not weakness. Sometimes I think, you know, we have these mentalities go, oh, it's really whooshy, wishy-washy and weak. No, it's not. It's a strength, I think, to be meek. You have to discipline yourself not to react and keep yourself under control. Let's be people that are steady and understated rather than be known as people that are loud and overstated. I don't want to be known as a person that's loud and overstated. And Paul says, to be content with second place. Life is not a competition to be won. It's a journey to be enjoyed. Um, And as I was writing this, I'm thinking, yeah, 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 that's all right. But I'm a very competitive person for those of you that know me. Our family's pretty competitive. Just come over to our place and play a game and it's on, basically. And whoever made up that little line that says, um, what do we used to say to your kids all the time? Oh, it's it's not whether you win or lose, but how you play the game? Thinking, who wrote that? Um, I'm joking. I am joking. Well, I'm kind of joking. Um, it's really good to win, but Paul is telling us here: be content with second place. And I think it takes meekness to be content with second place. So my natural um, competitiveness has had to surrender to God, and then there's a meekness has come about me, um, and it's okay not to win. It's okay, and I love cheering other people on and encouraging them to win in every sphere of life. And Chris gave us a great message last week on living an encouraging life, which was so good. So we want to cheer each other on and not, worry, not be worried about winning all the time and being the best in anything. But to put any of these virtues and qualities on, we need the Holy Spirit. We really can't do it on our own. so hard to bring about change of habits and behaviour especially this last one of forgiveness. He says, be quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. What a beautiful thing it is to find forgiveness in a Christian's heart. But you know what? It doesn't mean that we can't air our grievances. It's okay to say how we feel and not to repress an injustice in our life. But we have to say how we feel and having done that, We've got it out, we forget it, we forgive it, we give it to God, we put it away and we no longer think about it because it's when we go over and over and over again, it begins to take root in here. And of course, Christ's treatment to us is our model. This is what he did when he came for us. He forgave all our unkind thoughts, all our bad attitudes, our mistakes and our sins that we've done. And this is where some marriages, I think, can stumble because the partners, they not only get hysterical, but they get historical. Okay, now there's a difference. Think about it. Historical. When something comes up, they start going back over the past. Oh, that's all right. remember when you did this and you did that. Pointing fingers and always bringing up stuff. That's not really, it's not even forgiven, is it, really, if it just keeps bringing it up. Imagine if God did that to us. Imagine that. Every time we make a mistake, he goes, oh, there's another mistake. Remember when you did that? Remember that last time you lied and you did that? God's not like that at all. And he doesn't want us to be like that at all. So when we forgive, it's a journey, I know. Sometimes it's over and over again, we've got to do it. So how are you at forgiving? Do you hold on to stuff? Do you hold on to stuff too long? Are you able to ask forgiveness when you've made a mistake? And do you find it easy to say sorry? And I just want to honour my hubby for a minute because just this week, sorry, I'm going to tell you a story, um, um, he said something and I didn't even really take that much notice of it to tell you the truth but he, he came to me the next morning and he said, I just want to apologise to and I said, oh, what for? You know what I'm like, everything just bounces off me. Um, and he said, no, I think I, I said something quite unkind to you the other, yesterday and um, I realised it was, wasn't very nice thing. and it wasn't even true. And he said, I think I was doing it just to get a rise out of you. See, when you've been married for 37 years, you know what? Buttons to push and whatever. But he didn't get a rise. So, hey, she's grown a little bit. She doesn't, she doesn't react as much as she used to. But do you know what? The humility and the genuineness of him, he said, I really didn't mean to say that. I'm so sorry. How can you not forgive Someone, when they come to you with a beautiful, humble heart. Forgiven, forgotten, never to be brought up again. That's what forgiveness is all about. We need to get good at that. Do you know what? We need to get really good when we've made a mistake to go and say sorry. And and we just forgive one another. Don't let offence stay in there because it just goes all yucky inside. Um, And then the Apostle Paul says one last thing. And Jane, oh, I, I can do it now. I can do it. It's okay. I was going to get Jane to come up and help me, but I've got this now. The last thing, he says, is to wrap it all around with the bond of love. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. So, my last little bit here is I'm going to have to put this down for a minute. L-O-V-E, love, your basic all-purpose item, never be without it, he says. Because love ties everything together like a belt. It's a quality of acceptance of each other, knowing that you're a new person in Christ and that helps us love each other. Treat the past as always dead and you are now the person that God has made you to be. Love is all these things we've talked about humility it's humble it's kind it's patient it's not envious it's not boastful it protects it trusts it hopes it perseveres and it says above all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins in 1 peter 4 8 so wear love well just like this beautiful shirt says every day put it on and wear it well and you know what sometimes our clothes get a bit tight and they don't fit as good as they used to especially as you get a little bit older stuff starts to kind of spread and go south a bit and if you want to keep wearing those clothes you could go and buy new ones but if you want to wear the same ones got to get a bit of discipline in place exercise and diet so you can keep wearing those clothes guess what it's the same with these clothes that God gives us it takes discipline sometimes to take off the old man and put on the new actual discipline each day to think I'm going to put this on and I'm not going to react and act the way i might have coming up for christmas and new year parties it's a tricky time of the year because there's lots of food around but we can stay disciplined in god if we just remember these things and um the 21 day of prayer and fasting is about to kick off and greg actually has forms that would you like me to you want to pass them around during i'm still going but um He wants these passed around. So this is, if you haven't heard of this before, each year we kick off the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, you don't have to pray and fast for 21 days on your own. You can if you want to, but that's a really long time. So what we ask is that maybe you look at a couple of days over that period of time where you will just seek God um, for the church, for his vision, for the year, for you personally, for your family, all those prayer things, and um, you would just that day maybe, you can fast whatever you like, but normally we fast from solid food, but if you want to make a fast from social media or whatever it is for you that you think might have a bit of a hold on you, that would be a wonderful thing. And I know Greg will talk more about that, but that, that, that's an opportunity to get some disciplines in place that you maybe feel like you're a little gone as the years gone on, you need to reboot So I'm just going to quickly look at the last little bit of this verse and it talks about the peace of Christ, keeping in tune with each other, cultivating thankfulness and loving the word of God. So I've put it as three T's, all you have to remember. And I think this last little bit of the verse, I think rather than Paul talking just to the individuals, I think he's talking more to the church. This is how we can get on together and grow the church of God. The three T's are tranquility. The first thing we need is peace. Jesus in the Gospels, everywhere he moves, he carries peace and poise with him. He's not upset by others. He remains calm and collected when others are panicking around him. This is, I think, how the church should function. We should have peace and tranquility, not strife. In your own family, in your personal relationships and with Christians in the church, let's cultivate peace and unity work through disagreements quickly like I said before, don't hold on to offences because it'll just eat you up, so how are, how's your peace today, how's your peace rating, are you troubled, are you, your life full of strife or you're aiming for peace because that's what we want, that's what he's telling us here, tranquility, the second one thankfulness, second thing is to be thankful, and all through the Bible, all through the New Testament, we're taught to be thankful. As Christians, we should have an attitude of gratitude, be so grateful for everything we've got because we don't deserve anything, really. Everything we have is a gift from God because of his love for us. So again, let's let the church, and you already are an amazing church, and I think we've got this great thankfulness in all of our hearts, but we just need to be reminded, I think, to be thankful. And teaching... Instruct one another by means of the word and the message puts it like this, that the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house, give it plenty of room. I love the word of God and I hope you do too. And Yes, I'm old-fashioned, I've got a Bible, I know it's on phones and all sorts of things nowadays. But I love the word of God and I want it to have the run in my life. I want it to have dwell richly amongst us, which is the NIV version. And God's word is just central to everything. Every, it's full of amazing stories. It's full of miracles, lives that are up and down all over the place, breakthroughs, sorrows. It's all in there. Everything we need to know about life is here for us. But we have to just discipline ourselves, read it, learn from it, and most of all, be obedient. It's great, great to read it. But then if we just go, whew, yep, never, never take any more. It's not what God would want from us. So let's love the Word of God. And then it goes on to say, sing your hearts out to God. Love singing. You might have come in this morning with a heavy heart, but I hope that during the singing this morning, your heart was lifted up and you walked, you know, you're now sitting in a place that is better than when you walked in because that's what singing can do. We can sing truth. We can worship in spirit and truth, and we can do that when we sing And um, Toby, Chris's son, you all know him, of course, the little dynamo, four-year-old, he never stops singing, does he? He sings all day long. It's hilarious. And most of the time it's really good, but just every now and then it's like, well, you just stop singing. But he's so joyful. And the funny thing, is, he sings all sorts of songs, but then he makes up his own songs. And he just starts singing, and wherever he's in the house, he's singing. You always know where he is because you've just got to listen for the singing. But he's, and most of them are about God, aren't they? He sings to God and he does it with such a joyful spirit and we can learn from that. Sing to God. And the last tiny bit says, let every detail in your lives, words and actions be done in the name of the Master Jesus. Every activity of our life, the boring parts, the exciting parts, let's do them all in the name of Jesus. Those things in life we don't always like doing, even like going to work. You might have a job you don't really enjoy but if you do it in the name of Jesus it makes it enjoyable some of the things as parents we don't always love doing for our kids but we do it because we love them we don't love picking up all their stuff constantly for years and years we don't love doing it but we love them and God loves us and we love God so all those little things Can be pleasurable if we do it in His name. So, my challenge for you is this week, for the next seven days, I want you to consciously be thinking of putting on God's wardrobe. When you get dressed of a morning, instead of just chucking on those clothes and off you go, I want you to be thinking about the apron. I want you to be thinking about the soft glove. I want you to think about this beautiful shirt. Love. And let's see if we just can't get a little shift maybe towards what God might want for us in our lives. We're going to live with unity and thankfulness and a love of the Word of God. So Father God, oh, thank you so much for your Word. It does bring life. And yes, I can have fun with it, Lord, but God, I know that it just enriches our heart when we can live our life your way. Jesus, you are the living example of how we should live our lives. So I pray, God, today that each and every person would take something away from today. And over the next week, that each one of us, each time we get dressed, we would be thinking about dressing ourselves in your beautiful wardrobe of humility, compassion, kindness, love, forgiveness. And we would walk strongly in that, Lord, but be meek in spirit as well, Lord God. And before we finish up, I would just want to ask anyone, with all eyes closed, if you've never made that decision to actually ask Jesus into your heart, it's pretty hard to do all this stuff I've been talking about, putting on all these clothes. First, you've got to know the master. You've got to know the one who loves you so much that he gives us all this beautiful wisdom. So if you've never made that decision and you'd like to today, be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And I just want to give you, while you with privacy, with everyone's eyes closed, all you do is pop your hand up, and I will have a little. I'll pray with you afterwards, and you can make a step forward to knowing more about Jesus. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your love for us, and we just—I don't know—we just thank you so much, and may we live hearts, Lord, with continual gratitude for all you've done for us, Jesus. And we pray that. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. So there you go. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.